Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. I'm Aaron Sagers, and this is Talking Strange. Spooky nerds, and welcome to Talking Strange, a paranormal pop culture show with the Den of Geek Network, where we discuss the entertainment of the unexplained. Coming at you from Brooklyn, New York, which you might hear in the background, I am your host, Aaron Sagers, a journalist, author, researcher of all things weird. Currently, I appear on the Travel Channel and Discovery Plus show, Paranormal Caught on Camera, and I'm very pleased to bring this guest in. This gentleman is one of those people that I have been watching him in cinema and really appreciating his performance as an actor. And then there was just such delight when I realized I learned that he is one of us, one of us, one. He's a nerd. He's a horror nerd. And just a when I've been watching the promos for his uh, comic book, which we're going to be talking about. He's definitely leaning into it. He's definitely an honest, honest nerd. He's one of us. Uh, he has, uh, he's, he's stunned us. He's disturbed us. He's delighted us in films like The Dark Knight, most recently Dune. Uh, he has had his own superhero moments in both Ant-Man and uh, in The Suicide Squad. And yes, I would say in both those roles, he got to be a superhero. He even said it in The Suicide Squad. He's also the creator and writer of the Dark Horse comic horror comedy count crowley and that is the reluctant midnight monster hunter who then becomes the amateur midnight monster hunter in the new series that's coming along with art by lucas kettner in count crowley aspiring reporter and alcoholic jerry bartman is demoted it's a bad scene She's demoted to hosting the nightly creature feature at her small town TV station, but she quickly learns there's more to being a local horror host than just introducing bad B movies. And in her first night in costume as Count Crowley, stepping in for her missing predecessor, she comes face to face with a living, breathing werewolf. Jerry is coming back. She's coming back March 23rd with Count Crowley, Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter, and Volume 1 is available now. So with all of that said, let me bring in the creator, the writer of Count Crowley, Mr. David Dashmalian. Uh, And he is right here. David! Hey! Hey, Hi! Thanks, Aaron. That was uh, such an awesome introduction. I... I'm very humbled and very grateful to be here. And uh, hello to all of the monster kids tuning in right now. I uh, and thank you, thank you so much for being here. I, I really do. It's it's such a sincere statement. Um, you know, seeing you in shows like uh, The Flash, seeing you pop up in the genre fair that I love as a nerd. Obviously, The Dark Knight, and then 
um, and then learning about this whole other side of you, I was like, oh, my God, like uh, there is just this this glee moment of of seeing someone out there doing so well um, and knowing that they're a true blue nerd. So I appreciate that about you. Thank you. Thank you. Well, the same right back at you. Obviously, your passion for this stuff goes far beyond just your it's not your it's not your job. It's not just your you know, it's not just thing you do to pay the bills. It's like this is the stuff you love. And I think that, um, you know, to have a, a, a longevity in the work, um, obviously, you have to have a passion for it. But I'm just so grateful that um, something that has been so meaningful and important to me for so long, which when I was younger and wasting my lawn mowing money on huh. all of that stuff or, you know, breaking the religious rules of my household to watch cremaceous Friday nightmare or, you know, all the things that I did that, were, that, that were breaking the rules or maybe considered a waste of time have proven for me to be, um, not just a, a worthy pursuit in the sense that I get to do this stuff for a living, but it's, uh, whether I was getting to be a full-time actor and writer or not, I just know how much um, of the the big and exciting and interesting and scary things that we think about uh, in our lives, we get to wrestle with in the safety of the pages of, you know, horror comics mm -hmm. or sitting on our couch or in a theater getting to watch, you know, horror cinema and genre cinema in general. It doesn't just have to be horror, but I do love, you know, science fiction, obviously, um, you know, stuff beyond the realm of the supernatural. Um, and I'm, I'm just so grateful to do it and to get to have yeah. conversations like the one we're going to have today. Um, it's, it's really great. I'm so glad that there's people out there that are still thirsty and hungry for this stuff and that want to get into these conversations and enjoy this kind of content. Well, and you nailed it. I think there's something about, uh, obviously, you know, I, I consider myself very fortunate to be able to do this stuff as a job, but yeah, I think there is this, this this desire almost to go back in time and talk to 10 year old me and say, hey, you know, little Aaron with less facial hair, uh, you all this stuff that you're into right now. And maybe some people think it's weird. Just hang in there because th this you're going on. You're on the right path. I wouldn't do that because that would be we know horrible for the space time continuum. It's bad news, but I would like yeah, to do that. You, you know, you were born, if, if I, if my research is correct, you were born in Allentown, PA, a place where I also uh, ended up living and working as a newspaper editor. And then you were raised in Kansas. What yes. is it about, what is it about these blue collar, religious Midwest areas that makes them a good spot for little monster lovers or maybe for monsters themselves? There's so many. I mean, this is a huge conversation. I'm fascinated with it. I'm just as you asked me that. I'm looking at this book that I got. Um, I love these old like paranoid books of the '80s. I collect them like Saturday morning yeah. mind control. The Phil Phillips books about like you know we were living in these communities that were you know out of um, and 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 who there, you can analyze this six ways from Sunday, but like why they were built up in such a culture of fear was it the um you know alienation that comes about with segregation which was a big part of the way a lot of these communities were developed is it the alienation that comes about with a lot of the religious segregation that was there's the racial the religious the nationalist kind of segregation that goes along with the way a lot of the communities were kind of built in which many of us were raised there's also the 
notion that life uh, is so complicated and, you know, issues that cover the gambit of the human experience can be so nullifyingly terrifying from issues related to, you know, family and family dynamics to financial insecurities, especially when you're living in a, you know, a country that the dollar is God. Um, and, and I being raised as you were in the eighties, you know, under, you know, a, a, a Reaganomics, like we're going for the, the lionizing of, 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 of powerful white rich men was like the paradigm. So we lived in these communities where religion which as we know can be used for so much good can also be used uh unfortunately uh, for for so much um not good uh, especially with young minds so there's tons of kind of archaic thinking that is shoved into young people's minds and then you're in the suburbs at least for me i was i was on the outside of kansas city where you're in between your fear of the urbane and your fear of like the big city and then you've got your fear of the undeveloped country yeah. just on the other side and you're in this weird netherworld in between you know the big brash violence of the city which you're told as a kid doesn't then you end up living in the city as an adult and you're like oh okay and then there's the the country the like there's there's places where people don't even know what's behind a tree out there you know all of that i think shapes this like culture in which we as young people were looking for like something else looking for and i'm not saying that i was necessarily looking for the answers to life in the pages of a tomb of dracula comic book but i will say that a lot of the stuff that was you know either shoved under the bed or spoken of in whisper uh that haunts you as a kid it's so intriguing and you're so fascinated and you want to know so you you go there i mean People will, will theorize and teach lectures for, you know, until there aren't universities anymore about why a film like the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is so important. We, you know, yeah. I don't know. Well, and, you know, us being of a similar generation, I, I grew up in the Burbs in Central Florida around Orlando area and was, was raised Catholic. And thankfully, my parents weren't hardcore hellfire and brimstone but it was it was present to some degree so in the 80s it was yeah we had the cold war we had reaganomics there were the milk carton kids and the sort of the the fear of being abducted around every corner and and the satanic panic was still going strong so dnd and I heavy was metal, raised right? under the thumb of the satanic panic. I was in a youth group that literally brought in a local detective from the Kansas, uh, the Shawnee, I think, Kansas Police Force, the Lenexa Police Department, that had a whole department on occult uh, research or something. And it's like they were they were convinced that there were abductions, mutilations, rituals yeah. happening out in the woods. Um, where, as we all know, sadly in retrospect. Um, a lot of that misguided uh, anger, you know, ended up coming down wrongfully on the heads of kids that got into rock and roll or wearing makeup. And unfortunately, and, and who knows how much of this was by design, how much of it was just by the folly of mankind's, you know, uh, superstitions. But there was for way too long, as we all know, there wasn't an eye put on the, 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 the den of wolves ended up being 
the place that was pointing its finger at everybody. Anyway, I mean, there was no, there was nowhere where there was rampant ch- uh, child abuse like there was in the place that was accusing everybody else of it. Yeah. And I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, David, like, um, for me, the area that I grew up in, there was a town called Casadega, uh, kind of, it was probably about an hour away, maybe 40 minutes away from where I lived. And it was a spiritualist encampment established there, uh, in the, I believe the late 1800s, maybe even something like 1870 and, you know, spiritualist movement, not, it's not a big scary thing, but the reputation of this town was, Oh, it's the devil's town. It's a town full of witches. It was a place. So sadly I was raised believing that, you know, this is, this is the devil's den there instead of a place where people just kind of wanted to practice their own spiritual beliefs. So it was the rock and roll kids that were stigmatized, but it was also the people that had any belief system outside of the mainstream. And then otherness is so terrifying to people who've bought into the lock and step of the way that they're told it's supposed to all work, right? As soon as the otherness creeps in, it's terrifying to people. And that's what the the thing that's so beautiful about monsters um, is that they represent, you know, I believe 99% of the time, the fears that we have of our own selves, you know, it's thinking about the werewolf um, myth that's so powerful and why it continues to feel relevant in storytelling and, so many other of the, you know, the, the, the monsters that we, that we, that we look at and fear, but like, what is it that's in ourselves that we're so scared of? And we project that now in its archetypal sense, as modern myth goes, it's awesome to write stories about the big, the werewolf, the, the, mm. the, the reincarnated dead thing. That's now uh, walking again, the, the vampire, etc. But like you see it, uh, people's fear of, of the other people's, um, way of manipulating uh you know truth and othering others and also maintaining power um fact bending um it's all it's all it's all happening it's still happening you know it's crazy well the i mean the the vampires i mean werewolves werewolves definitely there is allegory there for addiction and then vampires you know Traditionally, and I think the reason why we keep going back to, I'm not saying anything brainy here. People have said this many times, but it's not an original statement. But we keep going back to that genre because, or to that monster, because a vampire can represent whatever other or whatever cultural fear we have, whether it's uh, fear of homosexuals, anti-Semitism, whether it's representing xenophobia, the invading creature, you know, Um, it can all, or, or, you know, the vampire is such a good monster for applying whatever fears we might have. But, but let me ask you, so, you know, I, I remember I, I found some comfort in the old movies that I was watching in my late night creature features as a kid Yes, I was kind of sneaking around the corner and watching the the burgeoning slasher genre, but the old Universal monsters, the the William Castle movies, the those were things that I I kind of found comfort in to the point that you know when I was a scared little kid, I kind of imagined Frankenstein's monster as look, okay, he's real, he's out there, but he doesn't mean me any harm. Like there's there was some comfort in it. What about you? Were you a scared kid? What were the, were those movies scary to you, or did they provide comfort uh, when you're watching them late at night? I mean, how fun was to me that uh, that line? There was that line where yeah. they I had a deep 
like the first real horror film that I can recall watching, like sitting down and watching, I was very young and I was, I had snuck down because uh, I wasn't allowed at a young age to watch like the Friday Nightmare, but I would see the little tag ads during the week. A lot of times they play little teasers during mm -hmm. like after school cartoons for on can uh, on the channel in Kansas City that would play the show on Friday night. So I, 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 I snuck down and watched. I was desperate to watch it. I was obsessed even at that age with like this stuff. And, um, you know, watching uh, Curse of the Werewolf, um, I was heartbroken for him. I remember yeah. it's be being very sad, but also I was terrified of him. I felt a you know, a ki something maybe kindred, I don't know, connection to it. So I, I had a, a great deal of empathy. Frankenstein, I mean, I was crying. Like, I remember so much empathy for Frankenstein, but also I would have nightmares about Frankenstein, like being in my attic and that he, you know, his, his unknown strength was going to harm me in some way. Like, so it was this, it was both. It was really both of the things. And it's, it's what um, struck such a chord with me when I, uh, when I, fell into the, the 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 magical realm of you know the imagination of Emile Ferris and the way that she is you know talked about at length um monsters and I mean so mm -hmm. many great writers have touched on this stuff I just bring her up in particular because if anybody's watching and doesn't know her work yet you should run and get a copy of my favorite thing is monsters it's such an achievement in art and comics and writing but like you know I I, I feel the urge to protect and to heal and i'm a recovering addict i have 20 years in may of sobriety i'll be clean and sober may uh 10th for 20 years um incredible and that addiction and my mental illness which nearly killed me when i was in the throes of both my ad addiction and untreated mental illness on the surface gave me both the appearance and the behavior of a monster for lack of a better term and i know that you know the redemptive quality within is a lot of times the hairy scary drooling bug-eyed beast of which we fear is actually uh something quite there could be something quite potentially wonderful uh who knows within that and and a lot of times it's the it's the really well manicured yeah guy sitting behind a desk somewhere that we have to be terrified of well, that's, yeah, it's, um, it, it's, it's fascinating that those, a lot of the monsters that I grew up loving, whether it's creature from the black, black lagoon or Frankenstein's oh. monster or some of the vampires, like they were dealing with an affliction, but meanwhile, house on haunted Hill is just Vincent price as a mean bastard that wants to you know, like commit murder. So yeah. it's the humans, the yeah, mortals. Heart attack. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love uh, that movie. Talk a little bit about um, Count Crowley, Jerry Bartman. Um, you know, this character, this protagonist from the comic, who who is she as far as where did she spring forth out of your your gray matter? what What is the 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 origin of Jerry? Sure. So going back to my origins in Kansas and Kansas City, and you know, um, falling in love with comic books and horror films and then the magical marriage of horror comics oh my god i was just like there couldn't have been anything better to me than than horror comics um and i had the 
treat of growing up under a weekly entertainment of this incredible woman, Roberta Cremacia. Solomon, who played Cremacia. Yes, she was um, one of my first crushes, if not probably my first crush, and also um, my my the person who indoctrinated me into into horror. But I I, I guess. Around the time that I saw The Lost Boys, which I probably was in like maybe fifth grade, I think. Mm. Um, and there were the Frog Brothers who were getting a lot of their, they, their cover was working in a comic shop and they were like looking at comic books to get a lot of their research. And then um, obviously Roddy McDowell in, uh, in Fright Night uh, and the idea that you would show up at a, at a horror host's thinking that they might know how you'd kill. So I think all those seeds were planted early on. And then my love affair with the American, uh, you know, 1960s, 70s horror host culture took over. And I started thinking about how cool would it be if we found out that one of these horror hosts, because it's always jokes and yucks and mostly fun. Right. They Rarely are, do you get a horror host who takes it very seriously, which is fine because I think that's actually healthy for the audience because it's a helpful way to remind you, like you're safe, kids. They're yeah. they're for all ages, but I really think they're great gateways for kids to go. It's okay, I'm here. Laugh. We can joke, we can laugh. You know, laugh at the monster. Yeah, yeah, and at ourselves. And they, um, I thought, how cool would it be if what if one of them out there though was seriously like an actual like genius cryptozoologist who knew a lot about stuff that was going on behind the scenes and this was their cover and they were trained in the ways of you know stopping the threat of monsters that have been working under like maybe demonic leadership for thousands of years blah 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 so the idea is growing and it's growing and then i'm growing up and i'm getting older and i'm you know doing a lot of drugs and going on all kinds of crazy adventures and studying the art of storytelling and then i crashed into you know nearly losing my life with the the demons that we already talked about addiction and and depression and um, mania and i got help and i started to build a life for myself and i started to look around me at a world in which um my definition of monsters was shifting and i saw the the power in which media had and the power of calling facts and evidence fake and starting to really twist and bend people's minds with the manipulation of information even peer and we're seeing it right now peer-reviewed yeah scientific data can be twisted with one powerful voice on a podcast it can just the whole conversation chafes and there's no getting it back it seems like really crazy uh so i i would say around 2016 i got very passionate about what this story meant to me, but I always imagined it was Jerry with a Y and I saw myself as like a weatherman or an aspiring news anchor who wants to really investigate and then the addiction and alcoholism undermines the career and he becomes a horror host and then the story kind of falls the way that it does in the comic as it exists today. But I had a series of conversations with several um, women very close to me that were recounting stories of times in which they had had kind of horrific things happen to them and they just basically hadn't been believed. And I thought, imagine how frustrating that was for me as an addict when I started to actually get my stuff together and started to, to live a good life when I still wasn't being believed by people because of my history as an addict. Imagine 
a woman that's not being believed just because she's a woman. And imagine if she's an addict on top of that. So then Jerry became Jerry with an I, and then I really got it. And I knew what I was going to write about. And going into 2016, I just was able to present the idea and get um, the support that I needed to create this comic that I, I love. I love writing. I'm so glad people have, have gotten it. Yeah. And with Jerry, as a character, she's definitely flawed, but she's she deals with real life monstrous humans and then monsters of the supernatural variety with with her being an alcoholic. What is sort of the balance? Because there is there's the comedic elements of this book as well. And then there's some darker elements. What's the balance in using that alcoholism as a narrative device without playing it for jokes too much? Is that something that I'm certain that you've thought about? So tell me a little bit about that. It's hard. I, I take a lot of responsibility with it. Um, and I think it's a, it is for anyone who's taken the journey of recovery. There is this really slippery moment that you get into as you start to really uh, do what you're supposed to be doing, where you're, you, you've been told if you could just do the right thing, if you could do what you're supposed to do, things will start to come together. Yeah. And initially for me, now, if you could get perspective and step back and look at the big picture, yes, that is absolutely true. Over time, you will see the improvement in the quality of your life going like this. But in the beginning, you will, you know, be 10 minutes late to something because you have a very legitimate reason and your sponsor will ride you like you think you're 12 again. You will, you know, forget something that you were supposed to do and your family is who you've burned so many times in the past because of your addiction will be like questioning you and your intentions and you're, it's, it's so tempting and, and, and easy to go, you know what, F it. I'm just, I'm going back. So Within all of those circumstantial um, narrative kind of um, scenarios, there is room for what is can be ridiculous, what can be f- almost on the surface funny, while at the same time being very authentic to the emotional journey that a person has who's trying to be believed. So if we add into that, this woman, Jerry, is trying to convince her brother that she is going to be on the right path, that she's going to start taking care of herself, that she can be relied upon. She's going to try and be there for her family because she wants to protect them. And she yet has this added element of now she might be late to recording an episode because she was killing a zombie. But to protect her brother and her family, she can't tell them that she was killing a zombie or a Billy, as we call them in Count Crowley. She has to show up with, you know, scratch on her face or a dent in her car and overcome the hurdle of them going, you're drinking again, you know? So it was perfect for me because that frustration, and I, I do hope that I want this book to be something everybody can get something out of and everybody enjoys, but I would love it if people who are in recovery or thinking about being in recovery or they've tried recovery and it failed, if they were reading it and they were like, Oh, I know that feeling. And then, you know, you see there is purpose in continuing on the, the path. And 
uh, on that note, I actually want to bring up a couple comments here from the audience. Uh, Jerry Bean, initially written as a man, makes so much sense because she's so real, palpably true. So often that's an approach that brings out the best women characters without the hitch of sitting down to write, quote, female characters. Um, Thank you. Thank you, Arthur. Um, uh, here's another one. Uh, Count Crowley, such an important story because you can feel it so personal and human. I think a lot of people can see themselves in Jerry. And also, I'll throw another one up there, Gloopy Co., which I love that name. Jerry is for sure one of my favorite modern comic characters. So it is connecting. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. That means a lot. And thank you, everybody who's tuned in right now. Hi. Um, that makes my heart feel very warm. I am very... Um, I'm very... I, we. Uh, life is hard, man. Life is just hard. You know, uh, even if you got the bills paid and you don't have to worry about how they're getting paid next month, even if you've got, you know, the things that you think you want, but regardless of all the, the, the surface stuff. And by the way, most people don't have those things. Most people are still really stressed about how they're going to pay the bills. Most people still don't have the things that they thought that they wanted on top of all that life is just heart it's one head f after the next and so you know jerry's gotta surround herself with people who love and support her do the stuff she needs to do to take care of herself and meanwhile um learn how she can stop the onslaught of monsters who are going to try and take over humanity at the same time but i i i i i, I wouldn't know how to write um I wouldn't know how to write uh, a character any other way. Um, and, and I'm, I'm grateful. I've written, I've written when I write women characters um, because I have a lot of opinions and theories about gender and uh, uh, the differences between men and women and how much of it is, you know, been told to us, how much of it's actually inherent, how much of it's biological, how much of it's, you know, structural. What, about, what about this patriarchal kind of, uh, system in which we've been, you know, building a society since the wanderers started farming. Who knows? But I do know that I think that we are much more similar than we are different. And I, when I write Jerry, I do try and put, see myself in her shoes. And then when it comes to the issues that I just don't understand or I can't relate to, luckily my wife is always a few rooms away and I can ask her questions. Or I have a really intensely powerful, amazing network of uh, female artists who are happen to be my friends and collaborators. I do a lot of co-writing and co-creating with other creators and some incredibly insightful women who I am able to, thank God, just send a text when I run into a brick wall about something and I always get a response back with really good insight to help me continue so I don't lose my momentum when I'm in a writing flow. And I... Uh, you know, uh, speaking of that network, I mean, your previous work, uh, All Creatures Here Below, which you wrote and also stars uh, both you and Karen Gillan, someone I uh, absolutely love and think is a great performer and had the fortune of uh, interacting with a lot throughout the years that it, that came through as well. The ability to write those characters without falling into the the, you know, the traps that I think 
sometimes uh, male writers have when they're trying to write the quote unquote female characters. Thanks. Uh, Thank you. That means a lot. Yeah. I, I, I still can't believe how great, how lucky I am that Karen read all creatures and just said, I got, I want to do this movie. I got to do this movie. And we got to not only have her for those, that month in Kansas to make that film, the performance she delivered is so insanely uh, incredible, but I've made a friend for life and Karen's a fellow horror. Oh yeah. Now. And she writes, she's one of those people that I can reach out to and has so much insight when it comes to, you know, character, but her passion for horror is, um, exceptional and she um i love her so much man yeah she's the best she's yeah she's done incredible things and yeah i've 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 nerded out with her talking about the shining and a couple other things before but yeah she is a true blue horror horror nerd uh for for jerry's character for count crowley um i've read the first issue of the next series going from reluctant to amateur and you have i have i, oh! I it's it's that's so cool. I didn't know anybody's had that yet. That that's really awesome. I did you know what? That makes me so happier. And okay, cool. Yeah, I'm excited. You're the first person I have interacted with who has gotten a peek at our next steps forward. Well, except I don't know how much I can say. I didn't Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, okay, sure. But but um did you have fun? I did. I Good. did. And and I I, I don't think I'm going to ask a couple questions sure. with some inside knowledge, but not spoiling anything. And then you as a creator can go in whatever direction you choose. But I will say we pick up right pretty much where we leave off at the end of volume one. Right where we left off. Right exactly. where we left off. And in between. So uh, the book came out, the the initial series came out in 2019. Now we're a couple years down the road as a creator did you already have that story plotted out yeah, yeah. or did you have to jump back into the mindset? No, no, no. I had it. I was, it was, we were set to go by the time the comic started selling really well. It came out in 2019. I think uh, the trade um, came out in uh, May of 2020, which yeah. was rough because that was, you know, um, the pandemic. But so before the trade had even come out yet, the comic had sold well enough that we'd been greenlit to start making more count crowley's and i was had written i i well i've always had a vision for where this the story was going knowing that things will change and morph as more artists give me you know the inspiration and as my experience changes and ideas change but i definitely had like a very strong vision about where this next arc was going and so i was deep in the writing process the week we went into lockdown uh, was the week that I got the call that Dark Horse was just tabling all projects mm -hmm. in production. So I had written three scripts. I had already seen pencils from Lucas. I was, we were rip roaring ready to go, man. And then everything went on to screeching halt. Now over the course of the pandemic, I was able to go back in and I think sharpen and make the scripts better because of, all the fear I was wrestling with, I was able to imbue new ideas and new fears into this script, especially when you start thinking about the themes of media and mm -hmm. how important media is and information and planting seeds of doubt uh, into humanity's minds and playing on our fears of one another. Um, so, but yes, the, the long, long, long answer to your question. I, I was, and then it, 
it just, the brakes got put on it for about a year. And uh, that was very hard for me because I was so excited. I was so excited to go. I was like, oh man, in another month, we're two months, we're going to San Diego Comic-Con. We'll do something cool for Suicide Squad. I'll get to do a whole thing for the new Count Crowley announcement and and then my all of our our lives just changed in a really horrifying way true but now we're back on well back on track culturally and we're going to be getting this issue coming up in march and 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 as someone said no no spoilers aaron no spoilers but i will say uh in the promo copy for the 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 new issue it does say it's been about a week that since she's kind of started and um a vampire is on a first class flight um to uh to her town so that said um it seems like jerry's world is getting bigger complicated yes and um for those who've read for 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 volume one um you know, by the end of issue four, uh, or at the end of the trade, you know, the Billy had sent that that cryptic note back to um, some mysterious folks uh, across the country, and all it said was Count Crowley, and he. Um, so that uh, was a little flare, a little flare that uh, attracted the attention of somebody to come and do a little further digging, and that little further digging is going to um, is going to lead to some real gouging, I would say digging gouging slashing oh man it's gonna get gnarly and along with that you know we've established in this world that you know there's other appointed monster hunters out there that's a statement that's not a question but you could pick it up as a question (laughs) (laughs) there are but how many are living still and who carries the mantle who is actually appointed who claims to be appointed who is why does it seem that up until this moment in history, there have been no appointed women monster hunters or have there? We don't know. And we will have to find out. But, um, you know, her Jerry's relationship with her mentor, the best facsimile she can have for a mentor because he's such a pain in the ass is Vincent Frights. And Vincent... Um, is as misogynistic as they come. And we're going to get to know so much more about Vincent in the next couple of issues. Um, and, you know, he, a lot of the the decisions that he's made and that he makes, I, I, I've always, it's always bothered me when there's like a, an old sage mentor about something that just seems to know everything about everything and is right about everything because it's like, then why didn't you do what? Yeah. Why is everything so screwed up now if that was the case? The truth of the matter is, and we don't like looking at things this way because institutionally it feels good to go. The people who are passing down their wisdom to us had all the answers, but they don't and they didn't because if they did, we wouldn't be looking at a world that looks like it does in 2022. I guarantee you that. If, if, if our, you know, the, the people who passed the torch on to us really did have all the answers as much as we want to believe that they, they did and we like to look backwards, I think the best way we can honor them and then I and, and there's so many people and important people who've come before us, obviously shaped the world in a good way. But if they really had figured it all out, we wouldn't be in the scenarios that we are right now. So it's like honoring them by looking forward, looking forward, looking further, looking deeper. Otherwise, 
what's the point, you know? Um, and I, and I think Jerry's relationship with, with Vincent is going to be hopefully, uh, really entertaining for those of us, anybody who's reading, who's like, you know, face that frustration, um, in, in life, uh, you know, and I, and I, and I, uh, cause right now, as far as we know, Jerry and Vincent are, well, Vincent really is the only person we know who comes from the lineage of the appointed. I mean, who knows where Rich Barnes is right now? That was Count Crowley before Jerry took over. Right. Where is that guy? Um, who else does she have to reach out to? But even Jerry, when, when Vincent says to her, the only way to do this thing is to do it this way. Even Jerry has the insight and the instinct to go, is it? Is it? I don't know. Um, so we'll see. Um, but I'm really glad. And you saw Lucas's art. I mean, here, to everybody yeah. who is watching right now, Lucas Kettner, you know, the Bernie Wrightson of our generation, has taken his game to the next level on these next issues. Uh, I mean, you, you, if you've seen it, you've seen like all that, that whole the first class journey <laughs> across. I love I, I, the, the capturing of the world. It's so beautiful. And the monster, the monster stuff is, Oh, I love it. And I, I love the other, the, you know, EC comics level of the pop ends of the Vincent Van Gogh or the Friar fear. Vincent Van Gogh was, was complete. I've created all the other horror host characters. Vincent Van Gogh is all, Lucas. I, I love that. And, and it is brilliant, you know. Um, Sister Sylvia, I really love. Friar Fear, I really I, I really loved, like, writing these characters out and giving him, you know, I give him tons of room because he does, he creates so much of what these, these characters look and feel like. But um, Vincent Van Gogh, that was, that was all Lucas, and I love it. And I do, I do love the character of Vincent Frey as cantankerous and misogynistic as he is. Not a role model uh, culturally, but as a a character that is just really kind of chewy. You know, it's it's he's a, a really fun one to watch. And but there's also this suggestion um, where we're seeing the the picture, the photograph of him and Rich Barnes, where he seems less like a a nasty old man. And instead, like this was his buddy. I I, I hope that we kind of learn a little bit more about the the history and the relationship of those two guys, and and what that backstory is like. You can take that, uh, you know, as you wish. But that's my personal hope as a as a reader and a fan. You will, you will, you will. It's a very. I mean, Jerry's predecessor, Rich Barnes, the Count Crowley for the last you know number of years. Um, and, and, and Rich Barnes is who replaced Vincent Frights on the show. Um, Rich Barnes is, is crucial. And his story, what happened to him, is crucial to Jerry yeah. understanding and learning a lot about what they're up against um, and how to go about defeating it. And, you know, again, I look around me and I there is so much that uh, I think that is problematic, dangerous, uh, destructive in the world in which we are living right now in this moment. And I, there's certain stuff that I just think I need to take head on and mm -hmm. fight like sword to sword. There's also stuff that I look at and I want to, I, I, I need to believe that there is some way through 
dialogue, conversation, compassion, healing, that there is some path towards better places uh and jerry this is all obviously metaphorically really simplified into like can you if somebody's a werewolf is that it is that a death sentence mm-hmm. if somebody's a vampire is that it is that a death sentence i'll tell you when people looked at me and said you're a heroin addict that's a death sentence five percent of heroin addicts ever make it out alive um it's hard not to unhear that uh somebody who's a convicted felon you know you go well that's a death sentence you're never going to get a good job you're never going to vote you're never going to our society is very good at that telling people their limitations and boxing us into the places that it needs us to stay and i think that um you know that 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 i i i i'm I'm rooting for jerry I'm, i'm always going to try and be as honest as I possibly can. And even in confronting stuff, when I want things to end more nicely than they will for Jerry or whatever scenario I'm writing about, whether it's in Count Crowley or any of my other projects that I write in. But I, um, but at the end of the day, I'm a, I am an optimist and I do believe that there's, there is a world in which we could save all of the good monsters walking on earth right now and we could defeat all the bad ones. Yeah. And I mean, that is something that you, you talk about in the, um, the afterword of the, of the collected edition, um, of the, of the book. And, and it is good, you know, like I, as much as I love my scary movies and I like, uh, you know, and I will even tune into the really super dark stuff. I, I am an, I'm a softy. I like, I like, uh, happy endings, or at least I like knowing that there are heroes out there and, um, you know, I mean, that's probably, that's probably, maybe more of the Marvel comics or the comic side of things uh, that oh, was no, ingrained it's not. in me. It goes back thousands of years, man. It's from the Bible to Greek myth to Gilgamesh. That is, we, we, we need that. And it's yeah. important, you know, it, 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 life sucks sometimes. And many oftentimes a hero steps foot on the beach at Normandy and gets their brains blown out. It's just the way that, that that science and probability and reality works that doesn't mean though that we don't push on and 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 still believe in the possibility of the magic of uh heroism not hero worship that's different it's like seeing ourselves i want i want to write the kinds of heroes like jerry bartman i want people to see themselves in jerry i don't want them to look at her and go well i could never do that now i could never do what jerry has to do but i I like to think that my better self could, um, and, and, and I, and I, again, I just want to entertain people to it. The, I love the idea of somebody, a grown up who's, 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 who hasn't been to the comic shop in a while or somebody who does religiously collect comics or, or a 14 year old that's never gotten a comic before all these different people sitting with the comic. If it's a paper comic, awesome if they bought it digitally through you know dark horse awesome but like sitting up at night in bed with the light on like unable to like contain themselves before turning the page because you just got to see what happens next oh i love that out of out of the um the horror hosts that uh that you've interviewed because i know you did the um the mid-may uh monster uh monster madness i think um and also the ones that you grew up with, who do you think could be 
a out there right now as an appointed monster hunter, Cremacious, Fenguli, Elvira could have, you know, who, who could have legit, you think, be taking on monsters? I, I think that we so rarely ever see um, my buddy Rich, who is Svenguli, out of makeup or even in like he keeps he's so good he has this double identity that is so strong and he you know he lives somewhere in the suburbs of chicago uh, you know is this very seemingly uh normal life i'm sure when the makeup is off and he's at home and i could see him going in the basement and he has like a computer system <laughs> where he runs operations for monster hunters around the country, or he's tracking uh, the appearances of the Jersey devil over here, or there's the chupacabra appearance happened just down there. And, oh my God, there's a, um, you know, Banshee of the Badlands. We just had an appearance, a Mothman sighting happened and he's tracking and sending people out. Um, that's, that's who I think that's who's doing. And, and not to be remiss, but yes, Dr. Fearless uh, could also be, uh, yeah, which I understand. That guy's a creep. Doctor never... Fearless, what a weirdo! <laughs> I mean, let me tell you, I I gotta say, like, what a real that guy's got an ego the size of you know Jersey. He's a complete um, megalomaniac. He just, but he does love he loves he loves the horror. He loves the horror movies. I think there's a rumor. I think it could be confirmed shortly that Doctor Fearless may have been making some new content which will be coming out uh somewhere shortly i I, i've heard these things um but yeah he's always crashing my parties man that's uh and yet ironically never in the same room as you i i you know i will say it it happened one time aaron it did happen one time if you go back and watch the re i think you can watch it it may not be available anymore but I had the very, uh, as you can imagine, you you would have been just as honored as I was. I got the honor of hosting the Fangoria Chainsaw Awards last year. Amazing. And because of the pandemic, we couldn't shoot it and anywhere. They had to put all the equipment on my front porch. My wife had to set up all the gear, plug it into all these computers so that people elsewhere could be telling us what to do with it. So we shot it in my living room. So I was there. And that creep somehow figured out that we were shooting these awards and he somehow walked through our back door, crashed my set while I was trying to tape my presentation. Um, but, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Never do wells. Just <laughs> out and about. The, uh, before I let you go, uh, as much as you can say, I'm a big fan of Dracula and I, 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 I was fortunate to actually travel through Transylvania with Bram Stoker's descendant. And I've done a lot of, you know, cool stuff. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're doing, you, you, you filmed the last voyage of the Demeter and this year is the 125th anniversary of Bram Stoker's Dracula, as well as the 100th anniversary of Nosferatu. Um, anything at all that you can say about doing this, Great little, great story taken from such a small portion of Bram Stoker's book. Dude, it is, 
I've read the novel. It's it's one of my favorite novels. I've read it several times over my life. Every time I've read it, I've said that is a movie. That story, just the journey of the Demeter, is a movie. It's a twenty-some day voyage of this ship in which the entire crew faces supernatural uh, mortality in a way that is so horrifying that it, uh, in my mind, always reminded me of what like Ripley and her crew were facing in Alien. You know, I was always mm-hmm. like, can you imagine if you're on a what seems like a simple journey? And one by one, people just started disappearing and all logic starts to get tossed aside. And you're surrounded by people who do happen to be having superstitions or who believe in weird stuff. And so when I found out that somebody was actually making that film, and then I found out that Andre Overdahl was going to be directing it. And I think he's so talented and he's such a great filmmaker. I fought tooth and nail to get to be a part of it. I, um, I'm a huge, as I said, I'm a huge fan myself. I'm right up there on my shelf. I've got um, from the Warren Publishing Company the dirt from the the from Dracula's castle in a mm. in a coffin necklace. Um, I I think the film is going to be incredible. Uh, it was a very difficult shoot. Uh, we gave blood, sweat, and tears uh, on board that ship, and um, I think Andre is going to make something that people are going to really freaking love. I think it's going to be really beautiful. And the cast, I mean, it's all about, you know, the way he tells story and the cast is just so incredible. Um, I'm very excited about that. It was, um, yeah, that was a life goal for me. Yeah. I'm, I'm very excited about it as well. And I I will say two, uh, two final questions, but first I just want to throw this up here that when David starts with dude, you know he's gonna say the realest shit. <laughs> I love dude, that. dude, 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 dude. My buddy John Hoganacker, who is an incredible actor, I'm sure every if you you'd know you know if you don't know that name, you'd know if you saw him. He was incredible on um, uh, Dope Sick that was just on Hulu. He right. was on you know uh, Jack Reacher or um, um, uh, the, the Amazon show. Anyway, he's yeah he's, Reacher, uh, amazing. But whenever we're talking to each other, we get very serious. We've known each other since we were we went to Chicago, uh, the DePaul Theater School together. Uh, but it's always, dude, dude, dude. I know, like something serious is coming. So that's an astute observation, but it's true. I I appreciate, and maybe this is you know being a a a, a male of a certain generation, uh, the call and response, dude, the dude, 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 dude. 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 You can have an entire conversation of dudes, and uh, I just got this from Screen Factory yesterday, and I went, "Dude, dude, dude. I wanted this Blu-ray <laughs> so bad," and I'm like, "Dude, dude, yes." Uh, dude. Before I let you go, oh, actually, uh, were there any creepy neighborhood stories, urban legends from where you grew up? Any very hometown monsters that? that terrified haunted young david i we had um a clown legend in my community about a clown that drove um a uh an ice cream truck um that he was just a regular guy but sometimes when he was going to when he had sights on somebody he would throw on the makeup and then like once or once every year once every few years some kid that would have gone missing was attributed to the clown 
um, there were absolutely reports kind of consistently throughout my childhood because I lived on the edge of undeveloped farmland that went from where I lived all the way south and all the way west to Stoll, Kansas. Uh, Stoll supposedly was one of the gates to hell. Um, and it's just a small rural town. I feel so bad for the people that live there because we would all trudge out there. And there was an old church that probably looked so terrifying just because it was at the top of a hill where there was a graveyard and the, the building was in disrepair. But um, if you threw a glass bottle at the wall in the church and it didn't break, supposedly the devil was present. Um, that was a big one. I had my own um, kind of encounter with both. I've had, you know, things that you wonder looking back, like psychologically, what was my brain working to explain things and rationalize things or, or at least navigate things that it didn't, that my emotional uh, brain couldn't. Um, but I had an encounter at one point that I, believe could have been extraterrestrial if you've ever listened to um the great ian uh ian ian punnett who does weekend hosting um for coast to coast and i was raised i wasn't raised i raised myself staying up late to listen to dr demento and coast to coast i've been on that show i've talked about that um I did not know this. I I mean, I know Ian, Deacon Ian. Uh, Deacon Ian, man. He is a genius. He is so great. I love his approach to the dialogue, his his yeah. dialectics, his way of of dis- discourse is so healthy and great, and I love him. I need to go listen to your your episode of that. I've, um, I, I've, I've been on there with him and with Ian and George and um, and different interview styles, but now I need to go listen to your episode your extraterrestrial episode poltergeist uh that's a long answer to your question but yes dude dude lots lots um and i was again raised with a lot of fear yeah so you're really like anything that moves in the shadows is a potential um you know goblin uh when you're looking for them uh it's interesting but you'll never see them if you're not looking for them so it's a paradox yeah well there's also so many there's so many rituals set up or so many patterns set up in order to summon forth bloody Mary or conjure the devil or whatever. So you're almost like you're guaranteed to never do it because something didn't go quite right. Maybe you said it, you know, three and a half times instead of three times. You didn't turn. I always excuse why it didn't work. Um, And I love your Mothman hat, by the way, my wife and I are big gamers. We've been playing, um, uh, Horrified, which is such a great tabletop board game. I don't know if you've played it ever, but it's so fun. And and the the original version is all the Universal monsters, but they have a new version, which is set in the United States. And Mothman's one of the uh, the cryptoids that you're hunting down. It's a blast. It's a great story. Um, going back to 60, 1966 and sixty seven, but then uh, I was I was talking about it recently just because it's the 20th anniversary of the Richard Gere Mothman Prophecies movie, which is just super eerie and creepy. I and, love that movie, man. I think yeah. it's so well done. It's and it's the best product placement ever of chapstick. You know, <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> 
I will. I've got to let you. I've got to let you go. But somebody does want to know. Oh my gosh! All the all the questions are coming in now. That's okay. Her, 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 we've got a few more minutes. Yes. Husband oh, a, Jessica. I want to hear I, about that. I need to know about that. And then also, who made your shirt? Oh, Eve, who made my shirt? I should know that. I'm sorry. I don't. I think honestly, guys, I think I bought it at like H and M. This was like H and M, right? It's the one with all the. Um, be like Egyptian hieroglyphs and like Buffalo exchange. The, so. the good people at uh, Creepy Co. Not that anybody asked, but I'm going to just shout them out. I don't have any endorsement deal with them, but the good people yeah, yeah, at yeah. Creepy Co. It's, it's good to shout people out that you that yeah. I love your shirt. Thank you. Oh, they were um, talking about your shirt, Aaron, not my shirt. No, they want to know about your shirt. But uh, and I guess, uh, you know, since we're on, on the Count Crowley stuff, what I. Uh, is there any tease that you want to throw out there? And also, if you were going to dreamcast the live-action movie of Count Crowley, who would be in it? See, this, I guess it's also dangerous because you know a lot of the people, so... Uh, no, it's okay. It's okay because ultimately it's not my decision, you know? When, when I pray that there's the TV or whatever, you know, however it is, the iteration of, of, of Jerry and Count Crowley. I think it would make amazing cinematic storytelling. I, I would love to see that happen. And I think um, the energy that an actor, like, you know, I've seen Kristen Ritter bring to yeah. roles that she's done. I loved her in everything from Jessica Jones to the recent night books, which was such a great gateway horror film. Um, I love Karen Gillan for something mm -hmm. like this. I love Margot for something like this. Um, I don't know, man. Dream casting is fun, but um, yeah. but it's never it's never who you think it's going to be. There's a, I found in all of my projects, you know, with um, with animals. The first film I wrote, I was sure I knew what my character Bobby looked and moved and sounded like, and then this incredible actor named Kim Shaw walked in the room, and I was like, oh we were wrong uh yeah. there she is uh with um all creatures here below i thought i knew what you know um what what ruby was gonna who ruby was gonna be and then and then karen gillen came along and it, it became her role and like um with jerry i pray it would be a dream to me if some actor read this comic book and then they were like so if you're watching right now you call whoever and say we got to make this a show i want to be jerry Let's make it happen. Make it happen. And any teases for when this, when uh, Amateur Midnight Monster Hunter number one hits comic shops March 23rd, any teases? You will buy the comic book. You will <laughs> love the comic book. You will not put it down. You will tell all of your friends and family to buy the comic book. Um, you, you will see, um, we pushed... I'm I'm always of the the Shakespeare. I love I love horror that happens just off screen. I I don't get me wrong. I just as much like seeing a chainsaw go through someone's chest as the next guy. But with my writing in particular, I really go towards let's keep it just out of uh, of eye. But there were some instances with this new story where we we went places that pushed the boundaries that we barely were able to get um, printed. Um, and that's about all I can say, okay. but it's, uh, you know, don't nobody call, uh, 
the FCC or whoever now is running the codes. The uh, the Warren, uh, Warren. Warner, Warner, Warner yeah. Warner, yeah, yeah. Don't let them come crashing down on us. But um, yeah, it's 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 shocking what Lucas can still make look beautiful, tragic, terrifying, and just so visceral. Um, I'm really grateful that Dark Horse is so supportive of my vision, and Megan Walker, who edits the book, just she just is always there to say yes and and like how can i help make this happen and um when she says no david i listen because dude they don't do that very often yeah well with that said uh it, it's just been such a pleasure i'm gonna i'm gonna ask you to hang out backstage for two minutes uh and i'm gonna come back to you but uh david you're a hell of a guy i, oh, I really enjoyed this Let's do this many more times, Aaron. Thank you so much. I love this. And I love yeah. uh, that that I that I am one of you and that you are one of me and we are one of us. All right. I thank you. And I will I'll talk to you in two shakes of a lamb's tail. Thank you so much, David. And guys, that was such a delightful conversation with clearly a delightful man. Count Crowley, amateur midnight monster hunter number one, hits comic shops March 23rd, 2022, but available right now. Right now, you don't have to wait for March 23rd. You can go get the collected edition Count Crowley, reluctant midnight monster hunter. It is worth your pennies and dimes to do so. And thank you guys for joining. Please uh, give me a shout wherever uh, wherever you use the social medias, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Patreon. I'm all over the place, at Aaron Sagers. Also, you can check out more videos like this at youtube.com slash denofgeekus and download Talking Strange every week on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. We've got some cool episodes coming up, such as with Ben Hansen. We're going to be talking about UFO abductions. And also, as I said, Dacre Stoker, the descendant of Bram Stoker. We're going to be talking soon about 125 years of Dracula. Wherever you guys are, be safe, stay spooky, and keep it weird.